TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to Wendy's Way with your host, Wendy Stewart, Fortnite show featuring everyday people on their wellness journeys, living inspiring lives with courage and passion. this episode of Wendy's Way. I'm your host, Wendy Stewart. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so thrilled to have on my podcast today two very special people who I have come to know very well in the last year. They are inspiring, real, brave, fun, salt of the earth, good people, and they have an amazing story to share. I'm so happy they agreed to be on my show and come over here on a Sunday morning and give up their time for me and our show. So welcome, Jim and Lisa. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Wendy. Oh, any time thanks for being had Jimmy <laughs> so tell me how I pronounce your surname first because I so don't want to get it wrong it's Valavanus. it's Valavanus. actually a very easy Greek name oh, just you know making sure that you, and now we haven't shortened it or anything and no no Valavanus. so Lisa and Jim Valavanus are here to share with us their incredible story so I'm just going to let them take over and I'm not going to do a lot of the talking right for now so guys start where you would like to start well, we've been together for 24 years this year and married for 17. Um, we live in the southeastern suburbs of Melbourne cool. in Victoria. Um, we have three beautiful children, Samuel, who's 13, Mitchell, who's 10, and Caitlin, who's 4. Um, and I'm working as a BDM for a recruitment company and Lisa's a domestic engineer and loving life as a mum. Best Hi, job in the world. Yes. Hard job. Without Hardest me. job in the world. Yes. Very rewarding, though. Ah, awesome. That's fantastic. So the reason I got you on the show today is you've written this amazing book about your beautiful son, Sam, who I've had the privilege of meeting, and he's just a character. Oh, my God. Does this boy have guts and gumption, and he's hilarious, and oh, my God. If This boy is going to rule the world one day, people. So you heard it here first. So Jim and Lisa have written this amazing book called Life Through Sam's Eyes, and the tagline of the book is How Our Blinds Help. Sorry, start again. How our blind son helped us see. So tell us, guys, how. Tell us a bit of Sam's story. Tell us how you started this journey of writing this book. And yeah, go for it. Well, Sam was our first baby. Um, very long awaited pregnancy and birth. Very excited to welcome him into the world. Cool. However, we knew something just didn't sit right with Sam. Something was wrong we couldn't quite put our finger on it we did not know and being first-time parents we didn't know what to expect what to think we had a lot of questions had a lot of um, doubts and yeah it was it was a bit of a journey to find out what was going on Um, ended up being that at 12 weeks old Sam was diagnosed with a rare childhood cancer called retinoblastoma which is a childhood cancer in the eyes right so for a while, we realised he wasn't looking at us properly. Properly, He would um, constantly look up at the sun and at lights. And when his pupils dilated, we would see lumpy things in his eyes. But again, being first-time parents, we didn't know what to expect. Sure. After being um, wrongly reassured by a paediatrician that all would be okay and it could take babies up to 12 weeks to focus, still didn't sit right with us. So we just kept questioning one thing i have learned is go by gut instinct if something doesn't feel right keep pushing and i'm so glad we did because at 12 weeks old he was diagnosed um and within a week of well sorry within 10 days of diagnosis he was starting his first round of chemotherapy which is really hard to see 
chemo, poison being pushed into a three-month-old baby. So our story is about what we went through with Sam, what Sam's been through in his short life. Um, It's been very therapeutic for us to write this book um, that we've written, Life Through Sam's Eyes, but also, as well as therapy for us, it's it's our way of trying to help other families who are going through the same situation, similar situation, just anything bad to realise that trust your gut instincts and... Things can turn out differently to how you expect. It doesn't mean it's a wrong way or a right way, but just give people a sense of hope and to know that there are other people out there who are doing it tough as well and never give up. Absolutely. And so, Jim, would you like to add something to all that? I mean, this must have been very hard as a dad for you, your first baby, watching, you know, this little... I I can't imagine Sam little, actually, because he's just a bundle of joy at the moment and energy, but I just can't even imagine what that must have been like to be a new dad and watch Lisa and, you know, your son go through this. And thank God Lisa never gave up and kept fighting and got the answers you wanted. Yeah, Lisa was amazing through the whole experience. Um, She was the rock in our relationship. Um, I remember when she first told me that we were going to be first-time parents. It was... I think it was Christmas Eve in 2001 and I remember just being so elated and excited and looking forward to the experience. Um, Didn't care whether it was a girl or a boy. Sure. Just wanted a healthy child and um, we'd always talked about starting a family and what we'd be doing together and um, uh, he was, yeah, like Lisa said, very unsettled initially. Yes. Um, Went through a a fairly traumatic birth. Yeah. Got stuck in the birth canal and his heart rate had dropped and uh, he had to be extracted with forceps and vacuum extraction. Um, It was really difficult as a father to watch a child come into the world. I was present. present. Um, Oh my God. Even though I'd been at a funeral that day, um, you know, the roller coaster of emotions was. You know, difficult at the best of times, let alone seeing your child being yanked out of Lisa. Um, And yeah, like Lisa said, very unsettled. We joined a mother's group about two or three weeks after he arrived. Yes. Um, We'd watched the other children hitting their milestones, developing, changing, Um, but Sam seemed to be behind the others. Right. Um, we'd always question this when we went to the health nurse at the Maternal Child Health yep. Centre. Yes. Um, she initially said things are okay, but there was some cause for concern. We then went and saw a chiropractor or paediatric chiropractor from, yes. from memory yep. at the time, and um, he had a, a, a twitch or a nystagmus, nystagmus um, flickering eyes. So right. she thought that it may have been a brainstem injury. Okay. Um, and there, there was, you know, some other possibilities to be further investigated. Right. Um, so that's when we went to the paediatrician. Um, and then, like Lisa said, he told us that it could take babies up to 12 weeks for their eyes to fully develop and okay. be able to see properly. Um, we were still questioning it. Um, he would never look at us in the eyes and... He'd be very unsettled and wouldn't feed well and um, seemed to be in pain or something just wasn't quite right. And yeah. that's when we spoke to the health nurse again and she rang the paediatrician directly and asked for either him to check Sam out again or to give us a referral, right. which he then did there and then and put us on to a paediatric ophthalmologist in Bentley. Okay. Um, and within... A few days we went out and saw her. Yes. 
that was when the savage blow came. She didn't have great bedside manners. She okay. pretty much told us after she dilated his eyes and looked into them that his retinas were detached. He's more than likely going to be blind and he could have cancer. And she just delivered this just news to delivered you like it cold, like so you know? bluntly and cold, oh and goodness. just had no emotion behind it. And as first-time parents, felt like my heart had been ripped out. Of course, didn't know what to say, what to do. We just, you know, left that the appointment and didn't know where to go, right. who to speak to. Um, and then within two days know, later. A few we're days later, we at the children's hospital having more tests done. Right. Now, was this a referral from this doctor or did you just go to the children's hospital of your own? No. Do you want me to say? Sure. Yeah, she, she actually put us then onto the children's hospital two right. days later to have the proper testing done um, where he went under anaesthetic. He had um, CAT scan and ultrasounds done on his eyes and also a lumbar puncture. And, right. Um, that determined that it definitely was cancer. Okay. So she was the one who did the diagnosis there, but it was their machinery that they she had to use. So, yeah, then it was determined that it was cancer. Okay. And, um, yeah, the, the thing was we were told that if he had a lumbar puncture, it meant that he had definitely got cancer in the eyes. Okay. And he came out of theatre and we checked his back and there was a Band-Aid on his back and that meant that he'd had a lumbar puncture. And I remember Jim just looked at me and said, that's just killed me. Because yeah. we knew it was cancer then, yes. without even speaking to the yes. doctors. Yes, yes. So that was hard. That was a very, very hard day. And, and like I said, within 10 days, he was having his first round yeah. of chemo. Yeah. And I mean, so you're, you know, you're brand new parents. You have you know expectations of what's going to happen. You're going to come home with this healthy child. And then life throws this curveball at you. And I mean, I'm sure, I'm you know privileged enough to know you for a little while now. I'm sure you would have found strength you never knew you had. But it must have ripped your hearts out at the time. I can't even... I can't even comprehend what that must be like, you know, to watch a little baby have needles and all this stuff going on. And um, so tell me about, if you don't mind, like, what was it like? Like, what, what was the children's hospital like for you? I know you've had a great relationship with them, but how did, how did it go from there? Like, you know, watching him have the chemo and go through all that. What happened next? Um, they were brilliant. They just really took over, which is what we needed. We, if we had have been the ones to determine what went what what went on when and how and everything we would have just been a mess but yeah, they just took over they said we're going to do this we're going to do that they had it all planned out for us which obviously they do anyway as yes. far as the um the protocol goes but they were brilliant they were very supportive more so of us i think at that t- stage because sam was only three months old he didn't understand it he'd just go along for chemo bounce around in the in the stroller or <laughs> in the cot not knowing what was going on but we yeah, were the ones who absolutely. needed the support and we've we made friends of nurses and doctors and um, people that we still see today and we still yes. chat to. And they, yeah, if it wasn't for the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne, we would have been an absolute mess. Well, so thank, thank support God. for the parents as well. Well, thank God for them and, you know, for them being there for both of you. So what happened after chemo? So did he have just one lot of chemo and then what happened next? Uh, I went for about six months from memory. Wow, um, So... That wasn't the only treatment. Uh, from there, it went into uh, laser therapy as well. Right. Um, which was described to us by the doctors as sunburn. Okay. Um, and that was more to treat the tumours at the front of the eye. Okay. Um, so that was probably the most mild form of treatment he had. Right. Um, there was cryotherapy, which was liquid nitrogen. 
directly on the eyes and he'd come out of theatre with puffy eyes like he'd gone 10 rounds with Mike Tyson. That was quite scary to look at as well. Um, He was so sore and we'd have to pry his eyes open to get the drops in and just to give him some comfort and relief. Uh, He had radiation therapy at Peter Mac um, where he'd be put under general anaesthetic and he had a special fiberglass mask made to keep his head still right um, and that went for f- uh, five days a week for four weeks oh lisa would have to take him in uh, every morning for that period uh there was radioactive plaques three Gosh. of those at the eye and ear hospital which were inserted directly into his eye um, and he had a, a radioactive site on his door and oh were advised not to go near him during that treatment um, but how can you just leave how a child? Do you leave your child in there? And Lisa know? was pregnant with Mitchell at oh, that time okay. as well, so yeah. I had to yeah. be with Sam for most of that yes, time. Yes, yes, I couldn't um, hear him. So how old was Sam when this was happening? When you were pregnant, we he was probably two when he had the first one done. Right. Probably three when he had the second, I think, which yeah. is the one I couldn't be there for because you were pregnant. I was with pregnant with Mitchell. With Mitchell, time. yeah, I couldn't sure. couldn't even be in the hospital, which. Killed me. Oh, that would have just <laughs> been... me not being able to yeah. give him a hug to yeah. help him through it. Absolutely. So Absolutely. this went on for about four and a half years. Uh, we also uh, tried things that had never been done before in Australia. The, yes. the doctors here looked overseas um, and spoke to specialists in Canada, I think from memory it was. Canada and in America. They tried injecting chemo directly into the eye. Wow. Okay. Um, now, unfortunately, his left eye was quite sick at the time and uh, had a lot of internal bleeding and damage yes and they'd monitor him monthly um, they used a special device called a ret cam which took pictures of the eye and tracked the disease so they could c- compare one month to the next yes and they got to a point where they couldn't actually see in the eye it was so bloody so oh we we had to make the tough decision it, it, it wasn't much vision or if any vision at all in that eye so yes. it was useless um we had to make the call to remove it because we didn't know what could be going on in there and if it got onto the optic nerve it would then travel to the brain oh my goodness yeah a whole other can of worms would be opened up um so that was when he was three um the right eye had been dormant for a period of time i think what 12 14 months 15 months so that was doing well he he could see he had peripheral vision, so they said it was like holding a fist up to your eye. Okay. You had no central vision, but you could see around. Okay. And that was enough to keep him mobile and independent. Yes. Um, but once that left eye came out, the right eye started playing up again, oh, and tumours okay. started popping up and Gosh. becoming more active. So the treatment started on that once again. Yes. That went on for another year and a half of, again, treatment after oh, treatment. Yep. We basically lived at the hospital. Yep. Um, luckily, my work was understanding and gave me the time I needed. Yes. Um, so the tough decision was made when the tumours moved to the back of the eye and, again, were close to the optic nerve. Mm-hmm. And we basically had to make the call. Do we want our son? Do we want him to be blind? Sure. Um, we basically had to sign our son's sight Yes. Away, if you know what I mean. I give them permission to remove yes. his remaining eye. Um, so that was when he was four and a half. And from there on, we grieved 
for a number of, pu- of you know, a number of years. Of it was the loss of his sight. It was of course. Um, you know, his independence had been taken away from him. Um, Lisa might want to go into what happened after that. Yeah, just um, the fact that we'd taken away his sight, we'd taken away any goals that we thought we had for him. But yes, then it was a case of making making new goals and making a new life for him exactly. realizing that the life we had in our heads for him wasn't going to be sure um and even sam saw that at one stage very soon after he had his second eye out he would say i wish the doctors would make me be able to see again i wish they could they could fix my eye and make me see yes and then he would turn it around after a while. He would say, oh, I wish I wasn't blind anymore, but if I wasn't blind, I couldn't do Braille, and I really like doing Braille. Yes. So he would start to put things in a positive Amazing. spin. And, I mean, even now he has his moments today, and I know in the future he'll have his moments. Say, for example, Absolutely. when his friends are getting their, their licence, there'll come yes. a time where he can't. But we tackle everything as it comes up, and we just have to do that. We've yes. learned that life is going to be different for him, and... We have to look at everything differently and tackle the challenges as they come up as a family. Yeah, absolutely. So, my the question, just moving away from that for a minute, you've still, you know, you still went on and had two more children. Yes. So how does uh, I'm just trying to, you know, process my thoughts as I'm listening to you. How do you make a decision to, you know, to have another baby, to have two more babies, knowing what you, you know, what happened to your beautiful Sam? Had were you fearful that this might be something that happened again, or you know, and you still had, you know, you still went ahead and had two more beautiful children? Oh, I was terrified, um, yeah. especially being pregnant and knowing. I mean, every pregnant mum has fears oh, and thinking, oh, what if this happens? What if that happens? But we'd lived the fears. We thought, yes. okay, things can go wrong and they do. Um, however, when Sam was um, about two, we looked into having genetic testing done. Oh, right. Um, okay. So because more often than not, his kind of cancer is genetic. Um, we had that done in him. It came back. It was genetic in him. He had the gene for retinoblastoma. Okay. So then they tested us, and we, neither of us had the gene. So obviously it hadn't come genetically from us. It was just what they called a spontaneous mutation. Oh, gosh. When he was conceived, when the cells started dividing, just something went wrong. Yes. Um, so that meant for us that we were able to have more children without the risk of this happening again. Yes. Uh, our biggest fear was that if it was genetic, it was the 50% chance of it happening again, and yes. I don't think we could have put another child through what we I went understand. through. Absolutely. Um, however, I mean, when, when Mitchell and Caitlin were both born, they were born caesarean, and I remember laying on the, the operating table when they've taken them away to check them with the paediatrician. The first thing I scream out, check their eyes, check their eyes, to make sure yes. they were okay. Um, and we had them tested, yes. blood work done at birth, and it came back all clear for them as well. So unfortunately, Sam has the gene. We have to deal with that issue when he looks at having children himself, but yes. we knew that we would be supported and helped through this, the process of getting our other children tested. Yes. And 99.9% sure it would be okay, which yeah. it was. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, we're glad we did have other children. It was it was a hard decision to make, but we are oh, glad. Absolutely. Not only are they friends to Sam, but I know in, in other ways, when they get older, they will support and help Sam as well, absolutely. as much as he will support and help them as a sibling. They fight like cats and dogs now, but we <laughs> but can see that... in the future that they'll look out for yes. him and he'll yes. look out for them. Yes. 
Um, yeah, they're, they're good friends, aren't they? They have, they have they lots are. of fun together. When they don't try and kill each other, moments. they do have fun. Oh, you know, it's it's a brother-sister thing, isn't it? It is. So, you know, Liz is an only child, so she doesn't understand. Oh, okay. And how many brothers and sisters have you got, Jimmy? I've got a younger brother. Okay. So, so he's four years younger than so me. So do you carry on? You would have carried on like this in your younger of years? Of course. There you go. Exactly. Then, you know, it's all good, Lisa. You don't, it doesn't matter if you're an only child. You, you no. know, we can have sister fights if you want to. Because, <laughs> you know, it's all good. So, I mean, that's amazing because you have these three beautiful children who are not here for their play date today but they will be here shortly because Annie Wend and Uncle Dunk have you know organised that so we're putting it out there so I'll be um, glad to drop them off yes you can drop them off and just go away please and you know yeah you don't need to be here just come back and collect them when I tell you to it's all good Um, anyway so back on track so Getting back to Sam, I had the pleasure of meeting Sam at the wellness breakthrough that we went to earlier this year with the wellness couch and the wellness guys. And for me, Sam was the revelation of the weekend. He was just out there in your face meeting everyone. And, you know, I'm loud and boisterous and obnoxious as well. So not that I'm saying he is, but we just hit it off straight away. And, you know, we were mates and we were chatting and he was just, he was the youngest person there. But I think we all learned the most from him that weekend, not having, you know, not that we didn't from the other speakers, but he was just inspiring, emotional, fun. Watching him tackle that ropes course and just go whoosh up and I'm just going, okay, you actually can't see. But then I thought, well, you can't see, so you can't see how far you're going to fall. So it's all good. (laughs) So, you know, can we talk a little bit about that weekend and what it was like for you? Because I know you didn't anticipate him being there and then he was there. And, you know, special shout out to Ash Bedford for everything he did that weekend with Sam, for Sam and and the other guys as well. But, you know, and everyone there. But share a little bit about that weekend for you, because I know you guys had some massive um, light bulb moments and revelations with your beautiful boy over the weekend. Absolutely. Well, like Wendy said, we initially thought that it would just be the two of us. Um, There was no plans for Sam to be there. But fate had other ideas. Yes. I'm so glad um, so <laughs> we attended the wellness summit the year before, so 2015, and when the promo came up for the breakthrough, we just knew we had to be there. Um, so we we got tickets for it then and there. Yes. Um, Lisa and I then put it to the back of our minds and thought, oh, we'll get around to organising babysitters <laughs> and all sorts of other things when three the time kids. comes. Typical man response, don't you reckon? Yeah, so we'll just work this out. Three kids, no problems. <laughs> we we did have babysitters lined up for the weekend, but that yes. fell through. Yes. Um, and uh, having Sam with special needs, you can't just dump him on anybody. No, no. So we <laughs> did a crazy ring around and got in touch with people that we thought may be able to help us out for the weekend. Um, we found someone for Mitchell and Caitlin and uh, couldn't get anyone for Sam. Um, Lisa then felt guilty and pretty much pulled out and thought she wouldn't be able to make it. So it was just myself that would attend the weekend. Uh, we then got in touch with Marcus and Damien um, and there was a bit of communication back and forth. Um, they came up with a few ideas, we came up with a few ideas and then it was decided uh, by the wellness couch that Sam would come along with us. Um which Sam was surprised about. Um, didn't know how he'd react to the weekend or, you know, whether he could get through it. Sure. It was two and a half days of full-on activities, as you know. Yes. Um, and it was the best thing that he could have done. And for us as a family, we just saw him come out of his shell and he was amazing. He was funny. He was 
um, so sociable and engaging and he really got involved in the whole weekend and participated in just about everything from what I can remember and inspired people after he got up on the ropes and did the leap of faith and um, there was adults saying that they couldn't do it initially but when they saw Sam get up there and do it they couldn't not do it um, so, yeah, Lisa actually saw some real big changes yeah. in him and their relationship, so she might want to go into that. Yeah, I, I had a big sort of light bulb moment with myself, with my reactions to Sam, because I... Sam is Sam. I know what Sam's like. He's a maniac. He will give everything a go. He will try things. I don't see that as anything other than Sam's life. Yes. And I've learnt unfortunately to take that for granted and just go oh well it's just Sam um but I think my big moment was when I saw other people's reactions to what Sam was doing and it made me stop and think oh yeah that's something that yeah normally a blind person wouldn't do and he is quite amazing and it made me think of him very differently of things I'd take for granted with him it made me appreciate what he does and who he is and um, I like to think in a way that we've sort of inspired him to do that we've never wrapped him up in cotton wool and for the fact that he's out there and grabbing life and just running with it made me really proud of of who he is and learned not to take him for for granted absolutely because I remember walking into that room and you go this is Sam and the next thing I knew, I don't know where you two were, but Sam was with me and we were going all around the room and Sam was talking to this one and that one. And it was like, bye, Mum, bye, Dad, see you later. And it was interesting to, you know, because I knew how concerned you were about it and we chatted about it at the start. And then you guys just let go. And I think you realised that everyone was going to embrace him, look after him, love him and just, you know, nurture him. And he gave us so much that weekend. And it was like, I think you said to both of you said to me separately on that time that you just saw him as a young man, not as your son. You just saw him as a fellow participant almost and you were inspired by him and, you know, you did things probably, all of us did stuff, you know, Sam inspired us to do that weekend. So thank you so much for bringing him to that weekend and sharing him with us and it was just awesome. So let's get on to this beautiful book you have written once again, which is called Life Through Sam's Eyes. I know this has been a labour of love for you. I know you've been writing it for X amount of years, but I think it's a 13-year, 14-year journey that you've been on. So what inspired you to write the book? I think what inspired us really was just to get, I don't know, make the, make the best of a bad situation. I think um, having Sam and having Sam being diagnosed has really, really changed both of us. Yes. We were very much, oh, well, where's us? Rah, rah, rah. Like, like most well, of the world which is, Which is an awful reaction to yeah, this, you know. It is, and it's just, it's having him and having him with a disability and having him sick and especially being at the children's hospital has made us open our eyes, pardon the pun, and look at life very differently and realise that there, number one, is so much out there that is worse off than what we're going through and so many people worse off. But also, too, that you can do the glass half empty, glass half full thing and we've really got to look at what we do have rather than what we don't have and make the most of it and if anything's come out of it it's just that I've changed the way I think and I'm yes I would not want any other parent to go through anything of what we have but I'm yes. so happy that I've had the opportunity to do it in the life-changing situation if that makes sense I don't totally, I don't want totally. to have gone through it but I'm happy for what's come out of it 
but I changed us. You know, I know a little bit about it, and you know, you very kindly have brought me an advanced copy, which I can't wait to read in full. But you've both of you have told me a lot about the book, and I think it's going to be a manual for you know people going through not just you know the the condition Sam has, but anything like this. You know, it's inspiring for everybody to read and understand that there's always someone worse off than you, which you have said. But there's always resources as you know your village comes together. I you know as one of my taglines is, is take a village. It takes a village, and you guys found new village that has embraced you and loved you and you know supported you through this so so Jim what about you writing this book what's it meant to you well for me it's been a form of therapy excellent um, men don't open up no like really women. they hold their cards <laughs> very close to their chest and um, yeah it took me a lot longer to get through yes. this whole experience um, Lisa was able to open up and share with her friends um, from an early stage I held it very close to my chest and um, I suffered from depression for a number of years. Yeah. Um, and I want to speak up for all the men out there um, to say that you're not alone yes. um, and don't be afraid yes. to tell people how you're feeling. Um, it's okay to be vulnerable and show emotion. Yeah. Um, you're not less of a man for doing so. Um, it's taught me to appreciate what I have in my life. Um, it's taught me to look at life very differently and live in the now, live yes. in the moment. Um, you know, the past has come and gone. The future, yes, you can plan for it, but yes. again, that's down the road. Appreciate everything you have right now. Um, just, you know, love your family. Be surrounded by great people, which we were at the time. We had amazing support, which helped us through yes. this. Um, seek help if you can't deal with it yourself, whether it be through your partner, a friend, a counsellor, psychologist. Um, I found even writing it down released it. Yes. Um, so, yeah, this whole experience has changed our lives for the better. Yes. Um, and we want to give back to, to people that have helped us and tell them that they're not alone. Um, there's people out there that are willing to help you but you don't always know where to find them. So we've got a whole list of resources at the back of this book that can hopefully guide you Excellent. in some way. Yeah, I think that's really poignant what you say because, you know, yes, girls tend to chat more to each other and, you know, we, we share and we have that and it's so important. I think that's the message that we need to get out there that, you know, the, that the men out there do not feel alone and that there is plenty of support and love and nurture out there for them. And I think a lot of people listening to you are going to be inspired by that and, you know, hopefully will, you know, make some changes and reach out and start getting the help that they want. So thank you so much for sharing that. I really... I'm really um, appreciative of that. So when all of this is going on and your life is just complete, you know, upside down chaos, how do you find the time to be Jim and Lisa? How have you kept yourselves together? How have you nurtured your, you know, your love life, your marriage, your just your alone time? How do you do, how do you guys do that? Um, I think one thing we found very early on was when Sam was going through the peak of everything, we tended to be travelling alongside each other but on different tracks right. which was very hard we were sort of I was doing with it my dealing with it my way Jim was dealing with it his way which yeah. wasn't very good um and we were just going alongside each other but we weren't connecting so yes. um once we realized that was happening through a little bit of counseling through Vision Australia right. um we realized we needed to spend more time for us it was all about Sam but we needed to make it all about us as well so we could help Sam absolutely so we we keep trying to do this now too, even though we've got three kids, we try to make time for just ourselves um, because we realise that it's not 
it, we can't give back to the kids if we're not giving to ourselves. So we try to have time for, for Jim and I. We try to have time for ourselves individually as well. We realise we sure. need that as well. So um, I think it's just, again, making time to give back to yourself and replenish yourself and replenish yourself as a couple and discuss things, talk about things, um, just be there for each other. Because I know Jim says that I was his rock during the time that it was all going on, but even though he was going through his own stuff, I knew he was there for me. Oh, I absolutely. wouldn't have survived without oh, him. No doubt. You no, know, he, he was there, he was dealing with his own crap, but he was there for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I wouldn't have survived it without knowing he was there. So we've seen a lot of families that we've gone through hospital treatments with and they've not survived it right. as a family. Yes. Um, but I think the fact that Jim and I were so close together as a couple to start with was a really good, good basis where... I was just talking to a friend last night who we were discussing relationships and I said to Jim, I said to her that Jim and I are two halves of the one person. Yeah. And I think that was really a strong thing that got us through. Mm-hmm. So, but just giving back to ourselves individually and giving back to each other and not taking each other for granted. Yeah. Even though there are kids in the mix and there are very big issues in the mix, just to to be there for each other. Like, absolutely, because you still need to be Jim and Lisa together and you need to be Jim and Lisa separately. Otherwise, you know, if you're if you're empty, how do you how do you nurture everyone around you? So great advice and great great that all the um, listeners out there heard that from you, Lisa and Jim, which is amazing. So tell us, when's the book coming out? Jim? Well at the moment it's being proofread. Yay! So we're only talking a week or two away from coming back to us uh, for photos to be added. Lovely. Then it goes off to typesetting. Yes. So we'll come back to us in a layout form nice. of what the book will finally yes. look like. Yes. Uh, once we approve that, it will then go back to the publisher for printing. Great. That will take around 12 weeks. So hopefully all going well. We'll have it around September, so early to mid-September. Oh, that'd be awesome. And then it will be available for purchase. Excellent. And do you know the price point of the book or what it's going to be? Or uh, We're positioning it around twenty nine ninety five. Perfect. And I'm assuming, or oh, shouldn't assume, um, there'll be an audio book, there'll be an e-book. There's a digital copy as yes. well and an audio book. Wonderful. And we're also donating 10% of all sales to Starlight Children's Foundation. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. So um, tell people how they can get more information, where they can find you, where they can pre-order the book. I will put links to all of this on the show notes and, um, and on my Facebook page when this episode goes live, everyone. But Jim, I'd love you to tell everyone how they can contact you, find you and find out more about Life Through Sam's Eyes. Thanks, Wendy. Um, We've set up a Facebook page called Life Through Sam's Eyes, um, so that will be going live shortly. We've also set up a a website, um, which will be live by the time the book's ready, uh, www.lifethroughsamseyes.com. Lisa and I are also available on Facebook as individuals, Jim Velavanis or Lisa Velavanis. And I've set up an email address if you'd like to get more information about the book or pre-order. It's lifethroughsamseyes at gmail.com. Well, I just want to thank um, a lot of people, Wendy, for making our book possible and making this podcast obviously possible. I want to thank all the people who went through what they did with us, with Sam, um, all of the charities out there, the hospital, all of the support and um, family networks that we had. Um, More recently, I want to thank the wellness guys and the wellness couch and all of the people that we have met through that. They are just amazing and they keep us inspired and they're the ones who are going to just 
help us keep going with this journey of the book and everything that's going to come from this. But especially want to thank you, Wendy, for having us on your podcast oh, and just pleasure. to help us get this out and help us help others. It's situations like this where we can really just do what we need to do and I can't thank you enough and with what you're doing to help other people it's amazing thank you it has been my absolute pleasure and you know I hope you'll come back when the book is launched and talk a bit more about it and you know maybe can we bring Sam in next time and get him to chat as well that'll be a one hour podcast that'll be like five episodes whatever but that would be great Well, thank you, Jim and Lisa, for being here, sharing your story. It's truly inspiring. I can't believe we didn't burst into tears a couple of times, all three of us. But anyway, um, thank you to all of you for listening to this episode of Wendy's Way. If you liked it, I'd love you to subscribe to my show on iTunes. Give it a rating. Feel free to share this episode with your family and friends. For all things Wendy's Way, can you, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram and watch out for my new website coming soon. I hope you have a happy, safe and blessed day. Remember, it takes a village and be kind to yourself always. Bye for now and take care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.